Hello, and welcome to the Casually Profound podcast. I'm your host, Lauren McLean, bringing you conversations with friends about how we apply spiritual concepts into our everyday lives. Today, I am joined by a group of fabulous women to talk about how our lives have changed throughout career changes and when we've been following a calling and how that has transformed our lives. Um, and so I'm joined today by Anastasia Burtnick, Shannon Lepke, and our good friend, Julie, to talk about all the changes that we have experienced ourselves. So Anastasia, I have known through our friend, Laura. Uh, we've done several courses together in developing intuition and doing different readings and all that kind of thing, uh, and have a ton of mutual friends in common. Anastasia has been on the podcast before. You may remember her. So welcome, Miss Anastasia. It's fabulous to have you back. Um, Julie has also been on the podcast before. She came to us through a friend of a friend and ended up fitting right in with the pack. And so welcome back, Julie. Um, Julie's up in Manitoba, northern Manitoba. She is a nurse and I'm excited to hear more about your story. We're also joined by my good friend, Shannon. Uh, we were colleagues uh, at a previous job we both worked at. We worked at an HR company together, um, at, which literally feels like a lifetime ago when we got back into contact. We literally didn't recognize each other to, um, to do this podcast now. So welcome, Shannon, to the podcast. It's great to, to see you again and talk to you again. Um, and I'll let all you ladies for a moment here, tell us a little bit more about what you do in your, in your career, in your life, what brings you joy, what brings you excitement. Um, and Anastasia, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Perfect. Well, first off, Lauren, thank you so much for having me here today. It's, I'm so glad to be back on the podcast. It was so fun the first time, and I know this is going to be such a beautiful episode. Um, so for me, I am a spiritual life coach and energy healer and business mentor, and my focus is really supporting you in living your life through the eyes of spirit. So, you know, coming into that alignment and, and that spiritual view so that you look at the world differently, you experience the world differently from this place of love and compassion of deep healing and empowerment so that you are moving through this, your life in the best and, you know, most soul aligned way possible. And one of the things that I love, and I'm actually um, just moving into even more now with a group program is teaching you how to heal yourself. You know, I think it's such an important thing that we learn how to, you know, connect with spirit and also do the work on ourselves so that we're not constantly having to outsource things because insourcing is such a beautiful yeah, and and potent tool that we have at our disposal. So to guide people through there is um, just one of my passions. Awesome, thanks, Miss Julie. What's going on with you? What do you what do you do with your life? Oh, what do I do with my life? That was not a loaded question. So we're probably going to go meat and potatoes of most of that. But um, currently, um, or so I guess for a long time, I've been a nurse, um, and many iterations of that. Currently, I am. Still nursing, working in palliative care. Um, I am on this very fabulous journey where I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. But I, I have far less anxiety about that these days, and I'm just kind of on the ride. So it's, it's kind of a fun, it's a fun little journey. So um, side bits of me, I I started a business called Saturn for Wellness, and I do some reflexology, which has been a really fun, uh, a fun journey. I am a mother of a teenage boy, which. It's probably a podcast <laughs> in and of itself. Um, I have a dear spouse that I love very, very much. Um, I have two little fur babies that keep me busy. So, yeah, I, 
I'm lots of things and yet to be decided, I think. Awesome. That's a really fun place to be in. <laughs> yeah. When you can get over the anxiety. <laughs> Take a while. <laughs> yes. Miss Shannon, how would you like to introduce yourself today? Lauren, thanks for the invitation today. It was I'm really curious about the conversation, and thanks for uh, giving me an opportunity to be part of it. I am a for what I do for work is I am a professional uh, leadership coach, and uh, I take my executive experience. I left a very large executive role in 2017, and we can talk about that on the call. It was a very significant gut moment. And uh, little did I know when I left that uh, my calling was to partner with horses as coaches. Uh, And so it's been a very uh, unexpected and uh, fulfilling journey over the last, I guess it's almost six years. And uh, my husband and I left suburbia uh, in 2020 at the start of COVID to move to 20 acres to create Red Chair Ranch. And so I partner with primarily people in professional and leadership roles who really want to lead from the head and the heart. And uh, I can talk a little bit later about uh, the work that I do and how I partner with the horses. It's uh, really powerful work. And uh, we love living here. It was a godsend that we moved here at the start of COVID. It kept us sane. And uh, it's been a wonderful journey. I have two beautiful grown daughters in their 20s. One is married. One is, has a really great partner and, uh, yeah, I feel really blessed, really blessed. Beautiful. That's awesome. I kind of want to talk about what you mentioned this, this call that you got, uh, to leave your executive position. I think we've all been through this call, the poll, the moment that you can't take it anymore, the moment that you're pushed out, um, you know, from, from your previous role, I would love to hear what that experience was like, like what the moment was that you knew that you were receiving the call and you, like you knew, what was that like for you, Shannon? Yeah. You know, I always feel, I've always felt that I had a pretty strong gut and, um, and yet being an executive, you need to use your head a lot. And, uh, which is what I'm working with people to shift. But I remember very clearly, uh, it was a day in March, 2017. I can't tell you what day it was. I remember walking into my office and I do a lot of this now. <laughs> there was something in here that was, wasn't sitting right. And uh, it didn't come to me right away. It took a few days, but it didn't go away. And I started to get really curious about what my body was telling me. and. Uh, And then I realized it was telling me it was time to go. And from a logical perspective, it didn't make a lot of sense. I had a huge portfolio, uh, larger than most. And uh, I was being groomed for the corner office, if that's what I wanted to do. And there was, uh, I did some really cool, interesting work that possibly benefited people. I was the chief human resource officer and, um, and other portfolios. And, uh, So lots of people would have loved my role. So from a head perspective, it seemed kind of weird that I would leave. But it didn't uh, go away. And so I started to do some research. Little did I know that the role that I went to was not the role that I was meant to do. And, And that created a whole other piece of my journey. 
And uh, so that was a big learning for me. And it took me some time because I don't, I had never had roles that didn't work out. And then I had a role that didn't work out. And I'm like, what's going on? And uh, what I realized is it, it was my jumping off. It wasn't my landing. And little did I know that my landing was going to continue to evolve. And I think it was two years later, the horses would call me and, uh, and my life's never been the same since. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Julie, I think you had a similar experience when you knew that you needed a change too, right? Yeah. And I, I was listening to Shannon thinking like, oh, I wish I had been more curious about the field because I think on the last podcast, Lauren, I shared, you know, for me, when I realized that it was time, I described it as like this really awful itchy wool sweater that I couldn't wait to rip off. Like I was so uncomfortable. So, you know, my career evolution was nursing. I became a nurse practitioner, did that for a long time and then moved into a director position where I had a, a, a fairly significant portfolio and you know, made the leaps for all the right reasons. And I think time is sort of a time and perspective, right? It's it's always a nice place to be in. But what I couldn't see at the time was I was doing jobs that I was capable of doing um, that I probably needed to do for my own growth. Um, but I love how you say it was the it was the jumping point, not the landing space. And you know, the other piece that I realized and my big learning through my transition is that um, really the importance of that aligned work. So just being good at something doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for me or that it's aligned with what I want. And that was like mind blowing when I made those connections and it became very, very easy. Um, you know, there's been a lot since then, but yeah, my, my jumping point was I just, I would wake up and think, oh God, not another day. Like I can't do this anymore. Um, and just that, that feeling of discomfort that just became too uncomfortable to stay. So it's not like I jumped into something that I loved. It was just, I jumped away from something that I couldn't do anymore. And, you know, and it was tough because there's good people that you work with and there's wonderful things that happen. And there's, you know, there's lots of really good things that you leave, but um, it didn't outweigh my need to go. So, you know. So what did that literally look like for you? Like, did you just quit that director job? Did you move into a different role within the same area? Like what was, what did that like literally look like to you? I had to leave the organization and that was really tough. And, you know, um, it was messy. Like I hung on way longer than I should have. So it was messy and I'm a crier and I, you know, it was just, it was just a disaster. Like I look back and think, oh, you know, probably everybody knew it was time before I knew it was time. Um, so there were options to sort of scale back within the organization, but I think I at the time had so much of my identity wrapped up in what I did um, that it felt like a failure, right? Like, oh, you're moving backwards. It felt like a failure. And I, and I have a much different opinion of that these days, but at the time I just, I couldn't bear to be within the same organization with the same people saying that I can't, right? Um, so what I opted to do is I found a job um, that was with a different organization and and I knew as well, taking that position, that it wasn't it wasn't going to be my landing place either. But, you know, I was really grateful for um, a job that allowed me to rest and pay the bills. And I just had to accept that that was going to be the space that I had to take up for a short while until maybe I 
had a bit more space and capacity to really tune into what I wanted. So um, I've since moved on again. And I'm now back with the organization that I left. Um, and I'm in a palliative care nursing position, which, you know, it, it, it is the first thing in a long time that I wake up and think, I really want to do this. But I also know the parallel of that is that it's probably not something in that particular form and shape that I'm going to do for the rest of my life because I do feel that there's very much something pulling at me still and I have no idea what that is yet I'm not terribly worried about it so it just allowed me a you know it was a year break in that other position it allowed me just again that time to rest and develop some clarity and just really heal from the things I didn't understand and develop that perspective to be able to go back with you know some good healthy boundaries maybe a little bit of a lighter attitude about how the world works um, and, you know, what my responsibility in, in, in that is um, and really what I want to invest all of my energy in. So, yeah, it was, like I said, it was, it was fucking messy. It was terrible. <laughs> but um, again, you know, being on the other side of that, it had to all be the way that it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can relate to that a lot. Um, the company that Shannon and I both worked at, when I left there, um, I was, I was so burned out. I was so done. It was like, just take the towel. Like I can't, like I'm done. I had to go like with no work at all for two months to just like reset. And I think I was 24 at the time, which is like a terrifying notion at 24 that you're so like mentally, physically, emotionally burned out. You literally can't do anything. Um, but it also turned out I needed to relieve my relationship and leave my like whole, there was a whole life reset happening at the same time. Um, but that was, it was definitely a lot. I definitely, it took me at least a year of just like mellowing to, to be able to kind of see the forest for the trees again. You know, I'm glad that you shared that. And I'm, I'm glad that you shared your age too. Um, Cause I think sometimes, um, People can make assumptions that that kind of life experience happens when you're 40 or when you're 50 sort of thing. And it can happen at different stages in our life, right? And um, so I think it's really interesting that we have this beautiful group of people here talking about this, whatever you want to call it, life event, life experience, and that it can happen at any point in our life. And it will likely happen more than once. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Anastasia also was a young, had a young career change like that too. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. So I was young. Um, <laughs> so I had been in the military for 10 years and during that time um, I was actually injured. And when I was injured, so I joined at 17. Um, wow. And uh, when I was injured, I was about, I want to say around 23 Um, and I had already built up a significant career by that point and my injury just derailed everything. Um, you know, for me, my journey is a little bit different because it's, I didn't have a choice, but I did. So I ended up being medically released in the end. Um, but I was so ready, like I was so done and so ready to move on with my life. But, um, you know, I had ended up after my injury being harassed, like having my career destroyed, uh, like negative personal reviews, promotions taken away from me, all because people were saying I was faking. And because I was injured, I couldn't like live up to the the universality of service, which is basically our kind of 
blanket um, thing that we have to be able to achieve, even though there's like exceptions around it. So anyway, um, but for me, I knew it was definitely spirit giving me like two by four to the head or even like a Mack truck kind of running me over to push me in a different direction. And um, it was really interesting because I had a long transition period out of the military. So it's not like it took them a while to, to figure out, okay, you're going to go on the release process. And the release process took about two years. So I actually felt like I was in this state of limbo for about two years where I was in my spiritual awakening, you know, wanting to move on, not quite knowing exactly what I wanted my, you know, my life to look like. Um, but then I also felt really stuck. Like I couldn't move ahead until I released. And, um, you know, I was, I was really blessed because, um, part of my releasing was actually a retraining, um, package. And I was, um, you know, at first I thought I was going to go into like homeopathy or become a naturopath or like something like that, um, more in the system. And then, I ended up just being guided into, um, into coaching. And I really had to lean into the fear around that because I had, I had this like big fear of like, what if the military doesn't accept coaching as like a, an appropriate retraining and everything, but I really had to trust and lean into it. And it's just been a really beautiful journey since then, but definitely full of, just a lot of kind of trials and tribulations and having to trust myself and, and everything that I had built, like I had, I mean, my entire identity was the military. So, um, you know, I had to let go of all of that and find out who I was without all of those labels. And even now, um, you know, being a life coach and an energy healer, that's amazing and it's beautiful. And those are still labels. So who am I underneath these labels? Because, at some point, no matter what labels I put on myself, I'm always going to be a healer at heart. I'm always going to be a teacher at heart. I'm always going to hold space for people because I've been doing it since I was a kid in some capacity or another. Um, and that's just part of my soul mission. So yeah, it's been a little bit of a crazy journey, but beautiful at the same time. Mm-hmm. The idea of labels is really compelling to me because I know Julie, you mentioned too how your identity was had become wrapped up in your job and all that kind of thing which is a hundred percent where I was too particularly in 2017 in that role with the HR company like the I was doing admin and so there's a very in when you were working as an admin there was like a huge sense of pride taken in being able to like read people's minds and being able to predict what's coming up and to know who needs what when before they know they need it that is like the gold standard of admin Mm -hmm. it's also impossible um because you're not that person and so the there is like so much of my identity was wrapped up in um being a mind reader and being good at reading people and being good at knowing everything all the time everywhere which of course as the admin you're locked out of almost all of that information because of confidentiality and all that kind of thing and so it was just it was a really hard line to walk and so my and so my identity became so locked in with productivity which is a pattern that I have had for a hundred years but um the coming to the breaking point with that was really important for me to be able to break that like productivity as an identity. And then 
kind of the fabulous part is after breaking that label and after breaking that, like, I am a productive person, I'm an admin who can juggle 16 things, right? As soon as you kind of come to terms with the label, it becomes, in my experience, such a total, it's a totally freeing to be like, yes, I can do 16 things at once. And I don't, I don't have to, I don't want to. It was like you were saying, Julie, right? Like how it's just because you're good at something or just because you can do something doesn't mean that's the thing that you should be doing or that it's healthy for you or anything like that. Right. And I think that the identities and the labels, as much as they help you kind of come to terms with who you are, there's like this pushing through them and pushing past them, not pushing, but like you kind of, use it as a stepping stone to bring you up to a certain understanding of yourself. And then you can use it again to kind of set yourself free and come to an acceptance of who you are. And I think that's really powerful. I think it's such a good point <clears throat> because I think, you know, something that's kind of crossed my brain the last little while is, is exactly that, right? The identity piece. And I really struggled with that when I left because I thought, you know, I'm a, I'm a compassionate human and, and that's what makes me a good nurse. But I, I, I almost had it backwards that that was something that I did because I was a nurse. And so part of the grief that I had to go through when I left, you know, my positions and when I was really struggling with, you know, is nursing going to be my thing forever? Um, you know, still undecided at this point, but, but I was like, Oh my God, now I'm not a compassionate healing person. And I don't know why I thought I had to give all those things up. I think that's why I was good at what I did. Um, so I've really circled back around to, again, just stripping the label, sorry, stripping the label from some of the things that, that, um, that had identified me. Um, and really, you know, it's, I'm not a compassionate healer because I'm a nurse. I'm good at nursing because I'm a compassionate healer. And I don't know why it took me 40 some odd years to figure that out. Um, you know, it's probably the people pleaser me and all sorts of other reasons why I think I can understand that. But um, it was really nice to be able to reclaim some of those gifts that I have inherently, that regardless of what I'm doing would show up. And so it's just allowed me to, to be whole again, despite a label, despite a position, despite, you know, what I'm doing. And man, that's such a powerful place to be in because it doesn't matter what I do, I show up whole and it works, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's so powerful, um, Julie, the, the realization that you had about, you know, coming back into the fact that you were a compassionate healer and that's what makes you a good nurse. And, you know, I, I think the disconnect for, for so many of us, especially in the time that we've all grown up in and, um, you know, I feel like it's shifting more now for our younger generations, but we are taught that, in, that by doing good, that way we are good. So it is always what we do versus who we are that makes us good. So if we don't do good, then okay, we're bad. So we have to do good. So that's where all of our worth comes from, all of our skills, ev everything that makes us us. And that's why we attach, a, I think, so deeply to labels. And I know in, in my journey, so I had such deep attachment to all my military labels. And it was around being, you know, really responsible and the go-to and everyone needed me. And yeah, I, I wore like four hats and I'd work 18 hour days and look how good and needed and amazing I was. And I just gave and gave and gave. And they gave me all of my worth because I was told that if I wasn't doing good and I wasn't in these like fancy roles and, and everything that 
I was nothing. So that was a really hard thing to come into letting go of all that and finding my own worth, my own love, just as me, no matter what it is that I'm doing. And, you know, going through that injury process, there were days that my pain and my depression was so bad that I literally couldn't get out of bed. And this lasted um, probably about like two years where I really, really struggled. And the only thing I did was therapy. Like that was my life. And like, it was, it was crazy because I had to really come into the fact that I'm still worthy, even though I'm not working, I'm still worthy, even though I'm not in these important roles that I'm not a contributing member of society and all of these things that these beliefs that I've placed on myself. And I think that's, that's where that disconnect really comes from is in our, our childhood programming. Anastasia, was there a tool or a process that helped you to find that worthiness within yourself when you were going through that transition? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of layers to this. Um, the very, I would say the very first thing was shifting my mindset. Um, I was very deeply in a victim mindset. So everything happened to me. Life was terrible. Life is hard. I wanted to be rescued. Kind of all of the things that come up when you're really in that state of, of struggle and, and victim mentality. And one of the, the best tools that I ever used was actually listening to Abraham Hicks on repeat. Um, every time I was in, like I could feel a trigger coming up or a bad mood or just wasn't feeling good, I would listen to it. And whether it was like when I was driving or at my, in my home, like sometimes it was hours that I would listen to it. But what that helped me do was reprogram my mind to thinking into the positive, like what is possible? How can I see things in a different light? And then from there, I was able to really start shifting how I was thinking and feeling about myself and then look into other things around self-love. Um, and one of the one of the most potent shifts for me, I think, after that was actually receiving theta healing. It was um, I had been like working on self love. I can't tell you exactly how because it was like years ago, but I'd been working on it for quite a while. And I was like, yeah, I love myself. And I went into a theta healing, and my um, my uh, my healer at the time he had muscle tested me like I love myself and I am worthy. And the answer, my body was like, nope. Like there's a belief there, like, nope, you're not, you don't feel you're worthy. Nope. You don't love yourself. And it was so interesting to see that kind of that disconnect because I consciously was like, yeah, I love myself. But then it showed me that. And I just started bawling and I I won't lie. I was snotting everywhere. (laughs) I was like, I was like, (laughs) like, but it was so beautiful because I finally, through that process, got to see that there was something there that I hadn't connected the dots to yet. And then he, um, with a theta healing, he showed me like how to feel self-love and really bringing in just that love energy from creator, that worth energy from creator so that in my body, mind, and soul, I now held that, that like highest spiritual vibration so that I could tune into it even more. And it was, oh, like that was probably the pinnacle point from there. And then, yeah, all the other work that I do. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Shannon, how is this resonating with you? Yeah. My, uh, my thoughts are going back to my first round pen session when I started my certification to coach with horses. Um, that was a pretty pivotal moment for me. And, uh, you know, everything leading up to that was gut. 
Um, I never had a horse before. Our youngest daughter had a horse at the time, still does. Um, and I got really curious about horses and coaching. Lots, a lot of people say, oh, you do equine therapy. I'm like, nope, I coach and it's therapeutic. It's There's a difference. But anyways, won't go into that. But so I got Annie. Uh, and three months later, I went for my first uh, round of training. I don't even like using that word. But uh, and part of it, the first three days we were in the process and then they started teaching us the process. And um, I had my first round session with Annie, uh, sorry, with a horse named Sweetie. And what was interesting was the first day uh, my husband had come with me to Colorado. Uh, he was going to go hike and take pictures and I was going to learn about this stuff. And uh, we were sitting uh, at the gate uh, and waiting for one of the women to open it up to allow us to drive into the property. It was a pretty long driveway and the horses were uh, milling around. And I recall Sweetie looking over the round pen right down the driveway into the truck. And I felt something. And at the time, I didn't realize what it was. So she connected with me before uh, we even got in the round pen. So that was I think it was about two days later, it was my turn and uh, came back to me because I had two women here last Saturday and one was very nervous about what was going to come out. And I'm like, yep, get that. And, uh, you know, I probably took uh, three steps into that round pen and I stood there for probably 20, 25 minutes and uh, had a very uh, accomplished, uh, talented human coach and then Sweetie. And what happened, um, you know, Anastasia, you talk about crying and, you know, all that stuff. And um, and it, it purged. I purged. I don't know how else to say it. I had been holding on to so much um, negative energy and unhelpful false tapes that came out. And that horse stood there and held space. And uh, some of the things we look for when someone is shifting internally around their beliefs or their energy or they're letting go of stuff are things like a horse may lick and chew or a horse may pee or a horse may poop or a horse may go down and roll. And um, other than rolling, Sweetie did all three of those. And um, I remember uh, just feeling white. <laughs> And uh, my husband came to pick me up at the end of the day and I got in the truck. I'm sure I looked, he was probably like, what the hell happened to you? And um, I said to him, uh, I need to learn this work and I need to bring it home. And uh, so that, as I listened to Anastasia's story, that's what came back for me and uh, forever grateful to that horse and uh, for that experience. And one of the things, you know, I'm going to own is that it takes a lot of courage to do that work. It takes a lot of courage to say, okay, I'm going to go face this and, and release it. Because when we hold it, it's part of who we are, right? And so what am I if I don't have that, even if it doesn't feel good? And uh, so, yeah, so that's what I was thinking of as I was listening to Anastasia tell her story. Thanks for sharing that, by the way. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. And you know, the, uh, the conversation around titles, roles, whatever you want to call it, um, that took me a while to work through as well. So as an executive, 
that's who you are. Uh, there's a persona around that and, you know, people look at you differently. And um, so I, it took a while to work through that. And then after working through that, that that's not really who I am, but there are things that enabled me to be that, that I still own. So to Julie's point, right, you can still be compassionate, even if you're not a nurse. Um, I can still be a leader. I am still a leader, even though I'm not in a formal executive role. Yeah. That's been, that's what's been rattling around as I've been listening to these beautiful women. I had this beautiful woman like pop up on my feed on Instagram the other day. I believe her name is either Nicole Kirkwood or Ashley Kirkwood. I I forget at the moment, but um, she had, is like coaching entrepreneurs and that kind of thing. And she talked about how um, she's met so many women who have like an insane degree and like this history, like she used this example of like, you know, you meet someone who has this like biomedical degree and they worked at NASA and like they just had this wild, wild, wild experience, um, but they burned out and quit and left the job and they won't talk about it anymore. They, they won't go in the same direction. They won't go in the same field. They won't talk about it or anything like that because there's such an entanglement between the experience and the the negative personal experience and the valuable work experience and stuff like that, right? And the point that this woman made was, I totally blew my mind. What she said is that you, once you have that experience, you own that experience. That is yours. That's yours to keep. That's yours forever. Good, bad, or indifferent. And she said, like with that experience, you take the purpose with it, with you, the purpose mm-hmm. of having that experience. She's like, it's just the pain you're leaving in the past. Right. So she's like, if you've worked at all these places and like, these are good companies and that kind of thing, you can use that and you can advertise that and let people know. Right. And that totally sat me on my ass for a little bit. Cause there's definitely a lot of experience that I don't like talking about anymore. Um, and that I don't bring up and I don't and whatever. And it's like, that's so wild. It's, it's, it, and it just clicked for me. Cause I know, cause I have a wide array of admin experience. I could plan anything, anytime. Cause I have done it all. Um, I remember working, I worked at Red River College for a little while and there was an administrative assistant program at the campus I was working at. And the students used to come over to me and ask them, ask me questions to help with their homework. And I remember being like, you have a textbook to show you this? How, how, like, I've just been doing admin since I was 12 years old. And so you, it's, you just know this stuff. And I'm like, who would have even thought to write that down and put it in a textbook to like teach someone? That's just how you breathe being an admin, right? And so that was fascinating to me. But yeah, it's been really hard to talk about that experience and to bring that with. And now as I'm doing more of my own thing, like the podcast, I get so many comments from people. Like I send the welcome package right before um, every episode. And so many people come back and they're like, oh my God, like I've never seen anything like this. I've been on so many podcasts. Nobody's ever done something like this. This is, I totally know what I'm getting into. And I'm like, oh, I was just bored one day and that just happened. Like, I, I didn't even think about it. It just, I sat at the keyboard and it was done in like two hours. That Like that was it. And, um, and so, you know, owning that purpose and that experience and that kind of thing, I think is something we've all learned, right. You know, with Julie, with your compassion and Shannon, like with that leadership, right. There's always that stuff that comes through. Um, was it, I mean, you kind of all, we've kind of all talked about how it's hard to kind of come to terms with those qualities 
on outside of the role that we learned them in. I'm curious if anybody has a theory as to why that might be or why that process exists. Anastasia, Mm -hmm. you're nodding vigorously. What's your theory? So I actually think it's a lot about energetics. So Mm. a lot of times, you know, we leave the role that we're in, whether, you know, in my case, it was kind of like injury, but then like super crazy burnout. Um, My body reacted the way that it did for a reason. Um, Or we're just feeling burnt out and we're just done with whatever, if it's the bureaucracy or the, like we have those feelings within our, within us and we're called to something different. Now I, what I feel, and I've noticed this um, through even a lot of my clients is when we, as, especially as women come into that state of burnout and, you know, having ignored ourselves for so long, and then we come into wanting to do something different and we're in that transition period, we're coming from this like hyper masculine and wounded feminine energy. And it's, you know, it's depleting us. We're not taking care of ourselves and we're just giving, giving, giving without ever receiving in return. And then we come into this place of being in a different energy where we're starting to come back into our feminine. We're starting to come into our intuition. We're going through like the feeling and the learning and the growth in different ways. We're starting to take care of ourselves, experience life. And being in that energy is so nourishing and it's amazing for us when we finally get to transition but then what happens is we're so afraid to go back to that old energy that we don't want to embody it so we don't talk about it we have trouble getting into our divine and sacred masculine where we get to do things and really put things into action so we we keep wanting to stay in the more of this flow state and ignoring everything that was because that led to burnout And then it's this beautiful and like intricate journey of trying to come back to, okay, well, how can I bring this purpose and everything that I did learn over here into a healthy container so that I can nourish my feminine and still be in my purpose and share my gifts with the world and, you know, just feel good and alive while just living life in the most spiritually aligned way and and still avoiding that burnout because we don't need to go back there but it's definitely the fear that holds us separate from it oh i love this (laughs) i'm like internally screaming fuck yes yes (laughs) as everybody was talking i was like i for a little while now it's, it's been that real play between like you say, stepping into that more feminine side of myself that, like you say, is so nourishing and so lovely and so fluid and and wonderful. But you've just articulated it. You just answered all my questions that I've been trying to answer the last while. And, and it's fantastic because, you know, in my experience now, I'm back to the setting of, you know, I'm back to the scene of the crime per se, right? I'm in a position in the organization that I left because I couldn't take it any longer. And it's been really interesting I don't really take myself so seriously anymore and I just have stepped into this real place of just being curious and just enjoying the ride and 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 staying very present so that I don't you know go down those rabbit holes again but um but it's been really interesting you know to witness I think I can't remember who said it earlier about um just how people respond to you I think Shannon you're talking about or maybe Lauren about titles right and it, it is meaningful for some people um and so to have had this you know, executive position and to go back as a hating saying this, but like just a nurse, right? Um, 
makes me cringe for a lot of reasons. But anyway, it is what it is. Uh, and just noticing people that I encounter where I had a very different hat the last time I, I ran into them. And now I'm, I'm still me. And um, it's kind of been fun because I don't really give a shit. Right. I know who I am and I'm very grounded in that. And I'm, and I feel very good in that. And I'm the healthiest, you know, I've felt in a long, long time. Um, but I do have to be very conscious of that setting because of that, right? It is, let's just say, that energetic pull into the ways that didn't serve me. And how do I, you know, still protect myself against that, but show up fully? And I, I don't fit. I'm around pig in a square hole or, you know, whatever you want to call it. I, I know that's not my stopping point because it's just not the system that I'm, I'm meant to be in. But um, I can still show up as me within that for right now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, thank you, Anastasia. That was yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I um I love that reflection that you just shared. And, you know, it's um I'd be curious to hear kind of actually from everyone, but you know, when we go back into whether it's an old like career path, even though it's in a new paradigm or a, an old lesson comes up, but it's in a new version that we, and we're, we've grown and we've changed so much that we can tackle it differently. I, I'm curious to know just how you all feel about, you know, from that objective perspective, how do you feel when those old lessons come up and, and what do you notice about yourself and just how much you've grown and how you handle these new situations that are kind of old layers of patterns coming up to see like, have I learned this lesson? Do I want to go back down that old road or do I want to continue doing things differently? I'd love to hear from Shannon for this one because you have been an executive and you're still talking and selling to executives, but from a super different lens now. And you're kind of at the beginning of that too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, a lot of what I, um, a lot of what I do, especially when I work with the horses, uh, people would see as too woo woo, right? If we want to use that phrase. And uh, so how is that going to help me be a better leader? Uh, well, I know unequivocally because of the work that I've done for the last two years or more that it does help. And there's nothing else that I've experienced um, that can have the impact like this does. And so my journey right now is to figure out how to... The way I frame it is how do I use corporate speak and the language around what I do and bring it together so it's, for lack of a better word, palatable and people can be curious enough about it that um, they're willing to try. Because if I do too much of this, they're like, yeah, but if I do too much of this, then I don't give this enough credence or credit. And so that's the journey I feel like I'm on right now. And, um, and so far it seems to be working, I would say, but uh, it's how I talk about the work because of my clients and who I'm trying to bring in. And uh, yeah, but I, you know, something came up when uh, Julie was sharing her story and then, you know, going back in the role as a nurse after being in a leadership role and it's, it's an experience I had with the herd. So we uh, received a new horse into the herd last spring. And uh, he was gifted to the program. Big, big 
Belgian paint. He's beautiful. All my horses mm-hmm. are beautiful. But um, so leading up to that, we had uh, five. We had one, two, three, four, five horses here at the time. Two were going to lead soon. So I had two geldings and three mares. So about two or three days before Chianti arrived, uh, we separated them. So we had a gelding pen and a mare pen. So Jack is my gelding. He's He was about 25 at the time. Amazing coach. And he was in a pen with a four-year-old horse. So anyone who knows horses knows four-year-olds are like having a freaking adolescent. Um, so they're really quite annoying and they're trying to figure out who they are and you know, all that kind of stuff. So not thinking much much about it because we wanted to keep the boys and the girls separate. So uh, interesting point, Keontae and Jack used to live together. The 25 and the four-year-old. Yes. No, no, the two no, Jack. No, the new one and your, okay. And okay. my 25-year-old, yeah. Okay. So we were really curious what this reunion was going to be like. And uh, obviously, or clearly they remembered each other. So here was the interesting piece that I want to share. So uh, we took Jack and Moose out and his uh, Chianti's human who'd had him for 13 years. Uh, he is her hard horse. She brought Chianti and walked him around so he understood the perimeter. And then we let Jack in. And my husband has a beautiful picture of Chianti and Jack nose to nose, head to head just reconnecting and it was yeah it was really it was really touching and uh and it was interesting because you could see by their physical movements and energetically that jack was relinquishing lead role to Keontae. and Keontae didn't demand it he it's just who he is mm-hmm. so then we let moose in the beautiful four-year-old and he challenged Keontae a fair bit. In fact, he got booted pretty good in the rear at one point. <laughs> so while this interaction, here's the point around leadership and roles. So this interaction was super interesting. But while this was going on, Jack left. And he went over to the fence line where the mares were standing holding space on the other side. And Jack went to sleep. So at first I was like, this is interesting like what's going on here and then his human said I think he's sleeping and so we let him be and so then I started to wonder huh maybe he was relieved that he didn't have to be lead anymore so then later on that evening I went back out to the pen and he was as far away as he could be from Keontae and and, uh, Moose and his head was low and he was resting and I went over and he's my huggy horse. Like I can hug him and stuff. He did not want to be touched. And I stood beside him and I said, okay, buddy, I'll just stand here with you. And he started to yawn and I have video. He yawned and he yawned and he, like he didn't stop for quite a while. And what came to me was, oh, wow, you did not want to be the leader in here. And so relaying that to my work with, you know, in the corporate world is how often do we either put people in a leadership role or they think they want that and it's not what they're meant to do and the energy it takes for them to be in that role. And then therefore, how does, how do they show up? Right. And so that was a really big one for me. And Jack is amazing at what he does. He's an amazing horse. He's an amazing, amazing coach. 
I'm guessing just like you're an amazing nurse, Julie. And for whatever reason, I'm guessing that those leadership roles were just not what you were meant to do. So it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful lesson that those three geldings shared. And um, it was super powerful. Yeah. Mm, wow. I think I need to come see you, Shanna. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> like, full of shivers. And this sounds so fascinating. You, you, thank you for sharing that. That was... Mm-hmm. Well, what I've learned is when something bubbles up, I'm supposed to share the story. So that one was mm. very clearly bubbling up as I listened to you talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really like, Anastasia, the way that you talked about um, the energy and, and how do we... Pl- I don't use play... Um, glibly but how do we play with that right when we're shifting from one mm-hmm. one kind of chapter to another and mm-hmm. and um totally agree with what you're saying i'll add that i think something that we all do too while we're shifting is we create these beliefs about ourselves and some of these beliefs and right are helpful and some of them freaking keep us stuck Mm-hmm. And so when we can have the courage to to recognize those ones that are keeping us stuck and choosing to replace them, knowing that it's a it's a practice to then embody and really believe it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's another piece. So, Lauren, your question about how do you how do you navigate? How do you bring in what was good about the previous chapter into this next chapter of what we're meant to do? is being really clear on those tapes that we play in our heads or whatever our energetic feel um, that either help us or hold us back. Because we all do it. All, No matter how successful we are, we all have them. A hundred percent. And I think to Anastasia, you had asked earlier about how, how does it feel to kind of like have those lessons resurface? The, it's, Shannon, what you said and, and the masculine and feminine and Anastasia, like it all ties together in for me, where when those lessons come up, every time they come up, I kind of have more awareness of the tapes. And it feels mm-hmm. like at, and every time that it comes up, I have more willingness to act on changing them or replacing them or that kind of thing. And so a few years ago, I would always be like, oh, this lesson's coming up again. Like, fuck this. I hate this. Like, get out of my life and then now I kind of be like oh yeah come on in friend like let's get this let's get into this shit and so because the I love the opportunity now to to kind of witness myself through those situations um because for me what you said about being so scared to go into that like wounded masculine wounded feminine again so true like ran from that for like years um And, but the really cool lesson, so like I was very, very, very type A, like maximum, maximum planning lists, control freak of everybody in my life. Like, absolutely. I was, I was raised to be that way and was happy to play the part. And then when I kind of blew my life up at the big, not kind of, when I did blow my life up at the beginning of 2018, um, the, the relinquishing control of that and shifting from that like wounded, wounded masculine, wounded feminine into something more divine feminine-y and then kind of circling back to that more sacred masculine. It's literally taken me until now um, 
like, and with making this podcast and with doing whatever, because there, I think there's so many shoulds around getting into that flow and so many shoulds around that whole idea of what divine feminine is. It really turns me off a lot, actually, um, about the whole, the way that people talk about surrendering to your kind of intuition and the way that people talk about, um, going with the flow and that kind of thing, because I think that, like for me, I had to, I went through the shoulds. I went through all of that to kind of come out the other side. And, and I'm grateful for that journey because it really helped me figure out what feels good um, to me specifically. And to me, the flow is not lounging and doing nothing. It's actually going out and taking action and making things and creating things and talking and promoting and all of that kind of thing, which really is part of that masculine side. And, and then being able to say to sell myself, like, oh, you, you know, I just, I get to follow. I, I feel like I'm following and that is my feminine. Then following the intuition, the guidance, God, that kind of idea. But then I get to walk my talk as well. And then, and so having that circle around 18 times has been so useful because my instinct is always, it's been useful in a lot of ways to like, I call it my rule of 180. Whenever I'm scared or something, you have to do a 180 and walk right into it. Um, and I just like make myself do that over and over and over again. Um, because then when the actually really like emotionally scary stuff comes up, then there's a, there's a mental pattern I can say to myself, like you've done it 16 other times, do it now. Right. And so the, having those patterns come up again, through work specifically, it showed up where like, you know, in 2017 at that admin job, um, giving all of the fucks and going super hard to get the validation, um, from that job, um, and needing that validation through my career in order to feel worthy of anything. Then going to the total other end of the pendulum a few years later in other jobs where I was like, nope, don't care, not doing anything. I also worked for the province at that point. So like, it was kind of expected you to be like, I'm not doing anything other than what's in my job description and you can't make me. Um, and so the, like totally taking that other swing um, to finally come to here now where it's like, oh, you can walk with both feet at the same time and you can kind of find the movement and the motion in this and take action, but also be following, but also be in flow and flow can look like action and it can look, sparkly and juicy and exciting it's not all like milky moonlight in the water right like it's it's been so much fun to 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 evolve watch myself evolve right mm -hmm. that has been the the magic to me yeah I, I love that Lauren and and you know I think um you hit on a really important point too around the feminine where there's a lot of misconceptions around what that actually looks like and you know, online, especially with social media and it being so pretty and everything, you know, it's almost like the, that divine feminine is expected to be like, oh, goddessy and flowy and like long dresses and exquisite baths and, and all of this <laughs> and like doing nothing and resting. And I, I mean, that can be a part of it, but it's, that's not really what the divine feminine is. It's like the divine feminine is life. It is life. It is creation. It is destruction. It is everything that fills up this world. And the masculine is the container that holds it. Um, and, you know, 
as we come into our divine feminine, like you've been experiencing, like we get to create, we get to take action on these beautiful things. And, and our masculine holds that idea container so that we can flow and do all the things within us. The, the feminine really is, is that flow is that creation, like, and, and the destruction of life. And, and like I, like I was saying, the, the masculine is the container that holds everything. So when you get these beautiful ideas and these callings and, and these downloads, and you're like, Oh, I want to go down this path. I want to follow it. The masculine is holding that it's giving you that structure, that direction. It is giving you that ability to let those creations come to life, but the feminine is creation. So it's yes, you can rest within your feminine. You can play within your feminine. It doesn't have to be like all work, but that, but work is part of the feminine because we create with work. And when we are in that, that deep place of creating in our work and, and really sharing what's in our heart, that is where work doesn't become like work anymore. So as you're on this this journey with this the sacred masculine and and the sacred feminine you know when we're really coming into this energy as we come into our work work doesn't become that hard work anymore that hustle energy it doesn't have that that hard edge to it and it becomes this thing that lights us up instead of depletes us and and we don't get drained by it in the same way because we're really harmonizing those two energies and flowing in that that powerful creation where we're we're giving of our heart but we're also deeply receiving in return and we get to change again from that that really hard edge of things and that hard hustle culture that depletes us into something that nourishes us in the best way possible Mm -hmm. And Julie, like you were saying, that process is not always easy. No, I I think there's a real misconception, you know, talking about that and being on the other side where you embody that a little bit more is, is one thing. And I think it's very romanticized Mm -hmm. in our culture that like balance, you know, we all just need balance. Well, yes, it's probably true. We all need to find a place of balance. But when you actually dissect that and look at all of the things that you have to do to sort of work through and work towards that to come out the other side in a healthy way, right? Because it's not just balancing our masculine and feminine. Like there's just so much stuff and conditioning and toxicity and systems at play that, that we aren't even aware of. And so to do that work, it's not, I think I I said something to be effective. It's not just, you know, having a, having a couple more vegetables and another glass of water, like it's balanced in the sense of becoming whole is a lot of work. And so, you know, for people starting their journey, I think, um, I I think you have to be really, you know, committed to the journey um, to get to that place and also not sort of feel defeated if it doesn't pan out in the first couple weeks because it's a hard go. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't even like the word balance. I like the word harmony because Mm. balance to me and kind of the way society portrays it is very like equal balanced 50, 50 scales must have everything perfectly worked out all the time. Um, Whereas harmony, you get to really like flow in between those things. So I don't even, even though balance has its place and its purpose, I think we delve into the shadow side of it too much. And I really love that idea of harmony between everything because that allows us and gives us permission to flow, to not have to be 50-50 and on all the time. We get to have that beautiful ups and down ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it allows way more space for that, right? I, I agree. I don't use balance anymore either. I use wholeness. I like harmony, actually, but, you know, I use wholeness. Are all of the parts of me here today, you know, and are they are they showing up how they need to today? Because sometimes I just need to cry because it needs to make some space for other parts of me and that just has to go. And, and you know, to be able to get to a place to embrace some of that, you know, I always laugh. Now, I've, I've got a very masculine husband and I've got a son who is... He's a, he's very much, you know, um, he's a lovely human. I just adore him, but, um, you know, he thinks he's masculine, but he's, he's got very beautiful feminine side to him. And, and, uh, it's very normal in my household now that mom's just crying, right? Like my own mom, nobody's, nobody's worried about it. Nobody feels the need to fix it. <laughs> Nobody needs to do anything about it. It's just, you know, it's just mom's journey and, and it's all good. Right. Because then I think I've, I, I feel um, maybe a little bit of pride in that I've kind of derailed them from this sort of hyper-masculine belief system and that emotions are safe and, mm-hmm. you know, they can, they can just exist. So yeah, I, I, I could talk about that for days, yeah. I think too. Well, and I love the yeah. metaphor of the harmony with that because in music mm-hmm. too, there are minor keys that are, you can be in harmony with the mm-hmm. minor key and in the different acts in a piece, you can totally change keys. And that's like, part of the piece and that's part of what makes the harmony work Mm -hmm. and you can change speeds tempos like the whole feel of act one to act two can be completely different and yet the whole thing synchronizes together and it works together with all of that I have one last question for everybody and I'm because I'm curious to know what it has felt like after receiving the calling and after taking the launch pad and after trying a few things and getting into kind of the, the vein of this calling and, and being in that space, what has it felt like to really embody that and to be in that kind of post change space? Um, a lot more, awareness of my feet on the ground Uh, a lot more awareness when there is alignment in here and when there isn't Um, I've told a few people this week in different conversations that I can be working with the horses and I can be working with one person or I can be working with a group for a day and rarely am I tired at the end of it um if I do my own work, if I'm in flow, I, I 100% trust my herd implicitly. So the work, while it's work, it feels effortless. Now there's other parts of building the business that take more energy that may not feel as effortless at times. Uh, so it's those things. And um, I think for me, I have fewer and fewer days where I'm like, oh man, I should just go back and get a job and, you know, make the big coin. And, and then I realize, no, this is what you're meant to do. And, um, and we've also invested a lot to make it happen. Uh, But this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I have fewer days where I'm like, oh, let's just go back to where I was. And I remember when I did my, my certification to learn how to partner with the horses uh, one thing that our teacher told us is once you've started this process, you can't go back. 
And if you do go back, you will go back as a different person. So once, right, it's that once you get that, start to get greater awareness, you can't unsee it anymore. And uh, yeah, so I think that's how it's kind of felt for me. And, and the other thing is too, is the awareness that it's an ongoing journey. You never arrive and, um, and to appreciate that. And, you know, uh, related to the previous conversation is to give ourselves some grace. I talk about that a lot when people come, especially when they work with the horses and, uh, you know, let's get, get a, get rid of the word should should is a shaming word. So when people do that, I try and help them reframe. And how can you reframe that and give yourself a little bit of grace um, in whatever they're processing? So yeah, it's uh, it's a journey for sure. And I would say what it feels like is more embodied awareness and less up here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anastasia, what do you think? Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, first, thank you, Shannon, for, for sharing that perspective. And I love that you brought in the idea of, of grace and, um, you know, releasing that should. I call it shoulding all over ourselves. <laughs> ah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, for me, uh, yeah, coming into the space of just living differently and being on this, you know, career path and even just my spiritual path in general, it feels like I'm walking in a different world. So, you know, where I used to get taken out by life, um, I get to dance with it now. Um, you know, like you had said earlier, Lauren, when a lesson comes up, rather than being frustrated that an old lesson is coming up, like welcoming that lesson in as an old friend and just seeing it so differently. Like, oh, this is coming up for me now. Okay, what can I learn about this lesson? What can I learn from this challenge or these feelings that are coming up? Is there anything that I need to heal or do I just get to sit with it? Um, and, you know, not, not taking on the stresses of the world anymore is just so beautiful. Um, you know, especially over the past couple of years, there's been so much stress and fear and feelings and everything going on. And I've beautifully just navigated around that as if I'm walking through the world, but I'm not really of it. And like the, the chaos is going on, but I get to hold myself over here in this place of really, potent, grounded freedom and love and compassion. And I can see what's going on and I can have compassion for it, but I don't need to be a part of it. I don't need to take on beliefs or feelings or stressors. I can really come into spirit and and just having that faith and that trust and seeing what actions can I take today that are in my highest alignment. And really checking in with myself is just you know, having that relationship is, is powerful and it feels nourishing and supportive. I don't feel alone ever because of that. And I, I can have so much faith within myself. Um, and, you know, just even putting the work out into the world that I do, I love that I get to be that guide for people because everything that I'm living is what I'm sharing with my clients. I'm showing them 
how to live this way too, how to be in that state of heart space and freedom and, you know, loving neutrality where again, you're observing and you're still experiencing the world in these beautiful ways, but you don't have to take on the heaviness. You can, you can move through that heaviness that comes into your sphere, but it's not part of you. You get to gently see it and let it go and see it and let it go and learn these lessons and receive them and then let go of that pain. Julie, what do you think? Well, I, I ponder this often. Um, I don't, I don't have a thing, right? So the space that I'm in right now is, um, you know, I, I came from this past version of me that was really good at having a plan, having a plan for the plan, like creating that container, right? Like my masculine was just on point. And I've just cruised into this space where, you know, I, I feel really compelled to nourish the feminine side of me. And, and I get antsy every once in a while because it's like, well, I'm not doing anything. Like, what am I, what am I doing? What am I offering? What am I, you know, um, and it doesn't happen as much anymore. I just, I'm, you know, I'm trusting the space that I'm in and, and I'm just being like, I'm just showing up and I'm just paying attention and I'm just trying to be very present and I'm just, if I need to be nourished that's what we do. And if I need rest, that's what I do. And if I need people, that's what I do. And, and, and I'm just kind of playing with it a little bit. Like it's very light. And I, you know, I had a conversation with somebody recently where I was saying, you know, I sometimes, I sometimes fall into that anxiety of like, like, what am I going to do next? Right. What is the thing I'm here to do? What is my purpose? And, and, you know, she said, well, what if your purpose is just to show up? Right. Well, that's easy. So I'm just playing around with that right now. And, you know, like I say, I get, I get the sense that there's, there's something more, there's, there's a next, but it's a really, um, like it's a really beautiful space to be in, to just trust that that will come when it, it has to. And that, you know, just showing up and, and being me and, and, you know, being all the parts of me is simply enough oh right like that is just a joyful space to be in and it's it's not always lovely and happy you know it's 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 dark and turmoil sometimes but that's all of it so so yeah i i i think i think to your point shannon you know where you say you have so much more awareness um you know for me i think that's my biggest gift is that i've started to just listen to what i need to hear and truly whether it be a felt sense or, or something else, but truly, you know, like plug the iPad in before you go to bed, right? Like just those little things or even bigger, right? But just, just truly learning how to listen in a way that um, I've likely always had and not always paid attention to. Um, and, and it's just, it's very organic. Like it's, it's not who I was even five years ago, but man, does it feel so much better. And, and, you know, like you said, I think Anastasia, even the, the hard parts still come and the, the things that are triggered still come and the bad things in the world still happen. Um, but my ability to navigate and weather those mm-hmm. just feels mm-hmm. so much better. Mm-hmm. I just want to share, um, 
a little bit of a reflection based on, on what you said, Julie, um, you know, around it's not what you're doing, but it's who you're being. And I, I think that's such a, a beautiful and potent point. Um, because the most, in my opinion, the most, um, incredible gift that we can give to the world is our energy and that's and showing up for ourselves and then just showing up in life and letting the world feel our heart even if it even if that's just sitting there or moving through your life if you are in your heart space people are going to feel that and that is the most important gift you can give to the world over and above anything else that you could do. It's just your being. And I think we forget how potent that gift Mm -hmm. is, especially when we come into containers where, you know, we can get caught in, in imposter syndrome or that feeling of not doing enough and those shoulds. Well, we don't have to be anything other than we are. And if we're in our heart and we're just letting that heart shine out, that's, that's touching the world and that is changing the world. And that's enough. Yep. I couldn't agree more. The that has been a big part of for myself. What has come kind of after that big life change is trusting that my light is enough and trusting that um, me as I am is enough. And another part of that is too is um, trusting the the step in front of me and having the courage to take the leaps of faith and that kind of thing, which I have always had a level of courage, but now it actually feels like a choice and and courage and that kind of thing to follow the next step because it's just one step. It's not the next 10 steps. It's not the next 10 years. It's not whatever. It's like literally right here. It's like literally go to Europe and then who knows what's happening after that. Um, and so the, that has been the biggest thing for me. And, and, right? There's a flow in that and there's a release in that and there's a surrender in that. And there's also just a lot of love and fun and giggles and tears and like all of the things that come with it. And like you said, it's, it's, it's so much more enjoyable than the control that I craved before, um, being able to release that and just trust the one step at a time. But yeah, thank you ladies so much for joining me in this conversation today through thick and thin. Thank you for sticking with this and, and really going there today. I appreciate everything that you ladies brought to the table. Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. I want to say thank you as well to all of our listeners for sticking with us through till here. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation. And if you would like to join these conversations with friends, please send me a message on Instagram. I'm Lauren on Instagram. Literally, that's my handle. I am Lauren. Um, You can also shoot us a message over at Casually Profound. So thank you so much for joining us and we will see you again next time.